Hey guys, we've got to that point in the show where we need to start depending on listeners like you to help keep this thing going. What are we, fucking PBS? Oh yeah, you know it. I'm LeVar Burton. I wanted to be LeVar. Fuck. All right. I caught it first. Yeah, I'm hosting we... Jeopardy. <laughs> are you though? Listen guys, we, we need your help uh, to help keep the lights on as they say. Uh, we are launching our Patreon for Masters of the Cinematic Universe. Yes. Yes. And we have uh, different tiers that you can sign up for and pledge to, just like PBS. Um, you get some different real cool gifts and prizes and merch, uh, depending on the tier that you sign up for. Oh, we got all the tiers. Oh, yeah. You Back. can either be a friend it, of the show, a oh. friend with benefits. Ooh. We just we could start to get serious, or you could just put a ring on it already. Yeah. Ooh, damn. And if you uh, if you exceed that amount, uh, you know we'll send you some not safe for work picks if, if you want. <laughs> it's not safe for your eyes picks in my case, but <laughs> not safe for anything right. picks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, guys, check out uh, patreoncom motcu. Uh, take a look at well, all the different tiers that we're offering. Lots of cool. Uh, swag coming your way from stickers to t-shirts to getting to pick the film that we uh, talk about. Yeah. The yeah. tears started at a dollar. A dollar a month. Come on, what? folks. That's it? Yep. One buck to get in on that on that number one tier. And All with right. that, you even get the live chat with us anytime you want, as well as a shout out on every episode. Right. So, come on. That's less than a cup of coffee a month. Jesus, what a steal. Yeah, guys, right? check it out. Again, patreon.com slash M-O-T-C-U. And then enjoy this week's movie. And we are back. Uh, so we just listened to a clip that, again, I, I mentioned describes Begbie and his psychotic tendencies. I mean, the guy is a friggin' lunatic. And... I did some digging into this, and um, Robert Carlyle created quite the backstory for Begbie when he got the role. Um, he envisioned Begbie as a closeted gay man whose rage... I was going to say, he's very Joe Exotic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whose rage incidents stem from the fact that he cannot you know, admit that he's gay and, and come out. Um, and... That is how, and he did not know this, but that's how Irvine Welsh wrote the character in his head hmm. as oh, well. Shit. Not it, maybe not maybe not in that depth. If, but if you want to visualize him, he looks like a cross between Joe Exotic and the uncle from Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, Uncle Rico. <laughs> that's pretty You're great. Right. You're right. Um, so I, I just thought it was cool that you know that shows you the talent of Robert Carlyle. To, to I mean, a lot of actors create backstories. It's a good way to get into the character, but. That he nailed it. He nailed Begbie, um, uh, and you know, yeah. this is just one of the incidents Crazy. in the movie that Begbie. Uh, we're, we're just going to refer to it co- going forward as Begbieing because <laughs> he does that a lot, um, as we'll come to find. Uh, so uh, they're out of the pub now, and yeah, again, that was a bar fight. Um, there's a lot of a lot of bad bar fighting in that scene. Uh, a yeah. lot of fake yeah. punches that are very visible and things like that. I mean, it, it, the thing is that the budget was so shoestring that everything, almost everything was done in one take. It had to be. They just couldn't afford to do anything else. So, Duck, can, um, I, can I take us, I hate to get us off the tracks no. here, but yeah. before the bar fight, we get a quick shot of the menu, of the drinks of this pub. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just have to address 
some of these names because if they're, re- I mean, you have your, you know, more well known. You got Margarita, Moscow Mule, you know, but then yeah. you have a the Orgasm, which is uh, one pound and sixty nine cents. Isn't there a Lego purse <laughs> like that? The leg opener. Oh, that's there's, great. There's the Virgin's Prayer, which I don't know what's going on there. And yeah. there's one at the end called the Penis Polar. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where Uncle Rico wow. might be. Yeah. You know, I didn't find anything in the trivia. I'm going to have to research <laughs> this and find out if they're real or this was just done for the movie. That's interesting. I didn't give I that th- much yeah. thought. I'm gonna I'll definitely check that out. It caught my eye. I will say that those did catch yeah. my eye. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. That's cool. Very cool. Good catch, guys. It had to have been the same guy who did the shit. It's set yeah, dressing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I got a good name for a drink. Like, oh, this guy doesn't even work for this production. What did he... I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, after the bar scene, we are now in an apartment with uh, Mark and Sick Boy. And they are watching the Tommy Lizzie sex tape uh, with great indifference. <laughs> Yeah, you know, again, it it is it just lends itself to the dysfunctional relationship that these friends have. They call each other mates, but they don't even blink before fucking each other over. Like there, there is, there's never a question, and they, they all know that they're going to be fucked yeah, by their a, by their like mates at some point. It's always know. sunny in Scotland. Exactly, but but like for real, like on a real life level. But yes, it is. It's like that, Joe. Yeah. Um, so they're watching this with great indifference, and the only thing that, that Mark takes from this sex tape is it reminds him that he's got his sex drive back. Because another reminder he gives us is that heroin takes away your sex drive, and now that he's clean, he's got it back. Okay. So we uh, we now transition to Club Volcano. Um, it's an Edinburgh club. I don't think it's real. Um, some cool trivia on this is that the club itself is modeled after I think it's called the Milk Club in uh, A Clockwork Orange. Hmm. So the club is almost a replica of that club that the Clockwork Orange guys do, um, which someday will be definitely done. I know I've seen that movie. That's a fucked up movie. That's it, like, it had an RJ nose in that movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, it did. So Joe has seen that one. Um, why, in my, why in my head do I feel like yeah. A Clockwork Orange is, was less fucked up than this movie? Because it was 1960-something or 72-whatever yeah, this is more up. realistic fucked up, and that's more, yeah. like, insane like fucked a, up. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, no, that's just, you know, it, 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 was, it was messed up for its time. Like, super yeah. messed up for its time. It's, almost, it's not tame by any means now, because there's some really graphic depictions of, of sexual assault and everything there. I mean and, and murder and all sorts of sh- like heavy stuff but just yeah. imagine that coming out I honestly I don't remember early 70s I think um, just imagine it coming out then and how impactful it was and, and like like controversial it was no that, that um, makes sense yeah so yeah so they're at the club volcano and again it's a replica of the milk club I think that's the name I'll, I'll forget um, so <laughs> All of Mark's friends are busy with their girlfriends or people, you know, girls they've met, um, and he is on the prowl. So he's leaning against the wall near the dance floor with a bunch of other guys doing the same thing, uh, scoping out the dance floor looking for, uh, you know, for targets, so to speak, because he's got to satisfy his urges. Um, We move to the lounge in this club where Spud and Tommy are talking. 
um, about girlfriend problems. You know, Spud's not getting any any sex. Um, Tommy forgot Lizzie's birthday, which is a you know a nightmare for them. Um, this is the one reason why you should watch it at least once without the subtitles, because this is the one scene where they use subtitles because yeah. the music is so loud, and it's sort of for a sort of comedic relief to the the conversation, and that whole little scene is is kind of is is a funny scene. So they use the subtitles because they can barely even hear each other. We can't hear what they're saying, and we can't understand what they're saying anyway. Um, so yeah, they're talking about that. At the same time, uh, Spud's girlfriend Gail who's played by uh, Shirley Henderson, who played Murning, Moaning Myrtle in uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> Same actress. She was also in Bridget Jones' Diary and the sequels. Um, she's with Lizzie in the bathroom, and they're talking about the same things, but from their perspective about the no sex and, uh, and the forgetting the birthday and how it sucks and everything. Um, they return. The girls return from the bathroom and immediately ask the guys, what are you talking about? And the guys look at each other and just say, football. <laughs> and he, they ask the girls, what are you talking about? Shopping. <laughs> you know, just they're all just covering their asses. Um, so, you know, they're still in the club. And now we are uh, back to Mark. Um, you know, he reminds us again how heroin kills a sex drive. And now it's back with a vengeance. Uh, so he hits the dance floor. And he starts dancing with any girl who's there by herself. And he just, they all turn their backs on him. He gets shot down left and right. Um, you sort of retreat. What's the that? half shirt worked way better on Brad Pitt and Fight Club. Oh hell yeah, yeah. He looked. He he deserved not to get anybody with that fucking shirt. Yeah. Um, he lost. By the way, Hugh McGregor lost like twenty six pounds uh, for this role, j- uh, just to make himself look emaciated and, and drug addicted. They say that he toyed with the idea of doing heroin, but then thought better of it i don't know how <laughs> far that idea got you know they've talked about it in an interview to look good but you know he seems like a level-headed dude um so you know he he's getting shot down and then from across the room he sees diane um we don't know her name's diane yet we'll learn that in a minute but uh she's played by kelly mcdonald who we've had on the show before in uh no country for old men Carly Jean. That's right. Um, this was her first role. She was 19. Uh, she was hanging out with some friends in Edinburgh and, or I'm not sure, maybe Glasgow, but whatever. Uh, sh- there was, a, the, the production team was handing out flyers looking for actresses for this role. And she went just on, you know, the spur of the moment thing, went to the auditions and Danny Boyle saw her in a room full of girls all glammed up she was like plain jane she was dressed in regular clothes and he said that's her and grabbed her and then tested her and then hired her uh so what do you mean tested her yeah i know (laughs) you know joe when i was when i was stuttering for the word to come out and i used tested that's immediately what i thought i said that was not the right choice of words no phrasing yeah phrasing was not was not proper there um so yeah, so this was her first role in movies, and, and she's she's a fantastic actress, uh, actor. I mean, she's yeah, she's she's amazing. So um, he sees Diane, and he is immediately smitten. He even <laughs> he watches her just like surgically, with surgical pre- precision, shoot down a guy. 
Guy brings a drink to her. She grabs a drink. She drinks the whole drink. And then she grabs his drink and drinks his drink too. And um, Mark even says, at that moment, I fell in love. (laughs) So he follows her out of the club because he's not going to miss this opportunity. So we've we've got our next clip, Joe. Impressed with a capable and stylish manner when she dealt with that situation. And I was thinking to myself, now this girl's special. Thanks. What's your name? Diane. Where are you going, Diane? I'm going home. Well, what's that? It's where they live. Great. What? Well, I'll come back with you if you like, but like I'm not promising anything, you know? Do you find that this approach usually works? Or let me guess, you've never tried it before. In fact, you don't normally approach girls. Am I right? The truth is that you're a quiet, sensitive type, but if I'm prepared to take a chance, I might just get to know the inner you. Witty, adventurous, passionate, loving, loyal. Taxi! A little bit crazy, a little bit bad. But hey, don't us girls just love that. Hey. Well, what's wrong, boy? Can't got your tongue. Well, I have someone yeah so uh whatever mark did worked because she invited him into the cab um they immediately start making out and they're heading back to diane's house or home where's that (laughs) it's where i live (laughs) i love that line (laughs) it's such a great line um, so we are now uh, going to go through uh, one of Danny Boyle's now you know used techniques of very quick cuts. We're just going to jump from scene to scene really quick because a lot happens in a short period of time. Um, so they get back to Diane's house, or they're in the cab on the way to Diane's house. Um, we now see Gail, who's trying to tell Spud that it's finally time for the sex. Um, she's going to give in because she... she wants to get it on too but he's completely stewed like <laughs> spud is in his own world um so that's not working uh tommy and lizzie head back to his place for some fun lizzie decides she wants to watch their sex tape while they have sex because it's going to be cool um this is obviously not good um mark and diane they get down to business they start going at it in diane's room uh spud is now completely unconscious so there's nothing happening. Uh, Gail is very disappointed and pissed off at him. Um, while Mark and Diane are doing it, um, <laughs> Tommy and Lizzie put the tape in. Or Tommy put the tape in, and we hear football narration from the greatest, I think it's the greatest 100 goals <laughs> in England or whatever. Um, and the football narration is synced up with uh, the lovemaking uh, <laughs> brilliantly. It's great. It really um, is. And... You know, we see that, um, you know, Mark even mentions the goal that they're watching the video of, whoever the player was that scored the goal and the year it happened. He mentioned that was better than blah, blah, scoring and blah, blah. Um, yeah, Diane tells Mark that, she, that he cannot stay in her room. Um, he's welcome to crash on the couch in the hallway, but he's not allowed to stay in her room. He thinks that's a little weird, but that's fine. He goes, um, you know, he goes in the hallway. Um, a little say continuity the, uh, issue. 
Yeah. The the VHS tape switcheroo thing and that whole sequence gave me a little bit of anxiety. I ever yeah. told you guys the uh, the Turner and Hooch story on this podcast? The dude in the what now? Turner and no, Hooch? No, no, I don't think so. <clears throat> so when I was coming of age, I used to brilliantly, uh, you know, hide my pornography on VHS <laughs> by taping the first few minutes of Tom Hanks' vehicle, Turner and Hooch. So if I rewound the tape to the beginning and you accidentally popped it in, what you would see is the opening credits to Turner and Hooch. And you'd think nothing of it other than, I don't really want to watch Turner and Hooch. Well, That's mad genius level shit. So when we do that movie for this podcast, what's it really yeah. going to do to you? <laughs> I know the first five minutes of that movie really, really well. I don't know how the rest of it goes. Oh, that's great. Anyway, I, I, I wasn't All sure right. if I had brought that up yet, but... No. Yeah, it, it backfired a, on me one day when someone did decide they wanted well. to see Turner and Hooch, and oh that's boy. That's pretty ingenious. That's good. And no one's ever going to like decide they want to watch Turner and Hooch. It's not going to happen. Except yeah. the one time it happened. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> very, very bad for me. Oh, I'm sure and it was. Eric's thinking, I'm going to watch uh, Tom Spanks in Doggy Style. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fucking so, kids today and their luck don't have to right? work at all so some real quick continuity issues when when mark gets out of bed he's quite naked uh yeah and mcgregor had no problem showing the package uh so but when he gets out of bed there's no condom there um but when he's out in the hallway he pulls the condom off uh so you know just a little bit of continuity it's not it's not a big deal um yeah, there's then, a lot of a lot of dicks you're seeing here yeah no they they had no problem they had no problem you know showing the sausage it was not not an issue for anyone daddy um, would you like some sausage <laughs> so we now quickly see tommy frantically searching through all of his vhs tapes for the tape and he can't find it uh lizzie is freaking the fuck out um they kind of put two and two together that maybe it got accidentally returned to the video store so she's worried that you know all of the city has now seen them have sex um we transition to the next morning. There's still some more quick cuts going on here. Uh, Spud wakes up uh, in uh, Gail's bed to the sound of flies buzzing and yeah. a really bad smell. Like Spud's uh, face. Apparently just his heroines wore off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, he, his face is all cringy and just from this smell. Um, Mark wakes up on the couch to people in the hallway. Guy's riding a bike in the hallway and somebody else is walking by. But everybody's very friendly. It's all cool. He's happy to see him. They're happy to see him. Um, we hear Diane in the background. She's in the bathroom taking a bath and she's singing a song, which is Temptation by the New Order. So she's singing some lyrics for that. Uh, kind of haunting lyrics, the way she's singing it. It's, I, I like that. Um, we, go, we flash back to Spud, who now has realized that he shit the bed, literally. Um, yeah. He shit in Diane's bed. Um, he and not just a little bit. You know, no, no. <sighs> he puts his hand down there, and it comes back, like, covered. So this is our second shit-related scenes in, in this movie. Um, and it's only an hour and a half long, and we have two shit-related scenes. It's great. Um, you know those, uh, those like early 90s movie poster reviews this is Glenn Ebert and it would be like this cute little write up yeah this is uh, scatological Scottish scumbags <laughs> two thumbs up yes. it's just this movie is shit crazy man 
<laughs> what a shitty movie. Exactly. Very <laughs> literally shitty. Um, so, uh, yeah, he realizes he shit the bed. Um, we get we jump now to Tom, <coughs> excuse me, Tommy and Lizzie waiting for the video store to open. The gates are down and they are not standing near each other. So we know that this is uh, this is not going well for Tommy. Um, Mark gets dressed and walks into, I guess, the dining room off the kitchen, and he is asked by the two folks sitting at the um, table if he'd like some coffee. So, you know, he says, yeah, of course. He sits down, and he starts helping himself to everything. And the two people are looking at him a little funny, but it's whatever. They're okay. He's, you know, he's making himself toast. He's having coffee. And he asks uh, them, so are you Diane's flatmates? And, you know, <laughs> they both laugh out loud at that because um, we'll find out in a minute why. Um, after he says that, Diane comes into the, to the room dressed in her school uniform. Um, Diane's 14. <laughs> yeah, and those are her parents <laughs> that Mark is having breakfast with. Um, yeah, so he, you know, not literally, but he shits himself <laughs> figuratively when he sees this. Uh, he's not happy. Um, so we now transition back to poor Spud. Um, the family, uh, Gail and her parents are eating breakfast, and Spud sort of pokes his head in the door. Um, he apologizes for being so drunk last night. Uh, Gail is obviously pissed at him. She slept in on the couch. Um, he mentions that he's had a bit of an accident, which is more than I would have done in a case like that. Yeah. Why did um, he bring the sheets with him? Yeah. Well, he was going to wash them. He was just. Well, why didn't he just them. do that? Like, I know, I know. So he has the sheets in his hand behind his back, and he, he brings them around. And you know, when he says he's had an accident, like nobody's surprised. The father jokes, "Ah, we all we all need nights like that." You know, they think he pissed the bed, though. Right, probably. And um, Gail's mother gets up and says, "Ah, don't worry, Spud. I'll I'll do the laundry. I'll I'll do I'll wash the sheets." And she tries to take them from him, but he does not let her take them. And they begin a little short-lived <laughs> tug-of-war with a This sheets. is worse than the tug-of-war in Squid Game. Yes. <laughs> oh, I haven't <laughs> seen that yet. Um, so they fight over it until the sheets slip from both their hands, sort of, and open up. And, well, the shit actually hits the wall. And it hits Gail, and it hits Gail's father and, Gal- and Gail's mother and Spud. They are now covered in shit. Um, oh yeah. We, talk, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the amount of blood in that one scene in Nightmare on Elm Street, our last yeah, episode. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is similar in that there was so much shit yeah. wrapped up in that sheet. When it exactly. Hits, it, it is, it, there's no way that much shit would fit in one human being. No. I mean. No. I, it was, it was. But Speak man, for yourself. Well. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. After some we, Arby's, we I mean, saw yeah. that happen in real life at Disney. So you're right. And at this point, I'd like to bring up uh, our Patreon supporter, Robert James Smith. <laughs> so cold. Yes. That's a huge pile of shit. <laughs> Excellent. So cold. Yep. But yeah, man. It, you know, th- this is where this movie started to feel like um, some of. And don't get me wrong, we'll get there, but like. I don't know, like, we talked about kids and maybe uh, the the Roger Waters stuff and Pink Flamingo yeah. and, and uh, you know, like, Gummo. Like, those, you know, right. those movies that are supposed to make you feel uneasy. And yeah. it does, you know. Yeah. Yep. 
Oh yeah, no, it it ranks up there. Um, the Full only way English I get breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, the only way I get through that now when I watch it is to know that it's chocolate and it yeah, was tasty yeah. and it smelled good and they were able to have fun and you know lick the chocolate off their hands and stuff uh, because yeah, it's. It, it, I don't. It's. N- I don't want to say it's hysterically funny. It's not hysterically funny, but it's definitely funny, and gross all at the same time. So your brain doesn't know where to go when yeah. you see this yeah. happen because it's very realistic in its portrayal. But it's it's fucking funny too. It's weird. It's very. It's like you said. It makes you feel uneasy uh, for different reasons. So um, we now transition to Mark walking Diane to school. And as they discuss the illegality of their relationship, Mark is very upset. Uh, it comes down to the fact when they get to her school, she asks, can I see you again? And he responds, certainly not. And her reply is, if I can't see you again, I'll tell the police with this shitty grin on her face. Oh, that was a poor choice of words, too. Um, <laughs> with with this, this little smirk on her face, and he just looks at her and walks away. Reminds me of that Alicia Silverstone movie, The Crush. Yeah. Except for he didn't actually have sex with her. Right. Yep. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, he walks away. We we now, uh, we have one of our train scenes. <laughs> we watch a train pull away. Uh, and on the platform are all the boys. Um, they are in the Scottish Highlands. And they are going, they don't know why they're there. Only Tommy knows why they're there. <laughs> they're going to go for a walk, he says. But it's a hike up a friggin' mountain. Yeah. Um, you know, they are all the rest of the gang is just they're not into this. Um, they they don't get very far <laughs> at all before they stop and start to complain. And uh, so we've got our next clip. What were you waiting for? Tommy. This is not natural, man. It's a great outdoors. It's fresh air. Look, Tommy, we know you're getting a hard time off Lizzie, but there's really no need to take it out on us. Doesn't it make you proud to be Scottish? It's shite being Scottish. But the law is to the law. The scum of the fucking earth. The most wretched, miserable, servile, pathetic trash that was ever shot into civilization. Some people hate the English, I don't. They're just wankers. We, on the other hand, are colonized by wankers. Can't even find a decent culture to be colonized by. We're ruled by a few assholes. It's a shite state of affairs to be in, Tommy, and all the fresh air in the world won't make any fucking difference. Surely, man. Surely. At or around this time, Spud's sick boy and I made a healthy, informed, democratic decision to get back on heroin as soon as possible. Took about 12 hours. It looks easy, this, but it's not. Looks like a DOS, like a soft option. But living like this, it's a full-time business. Yep. So yeah, the uh, the hike in the country doesn't go well. Um, you know, they decide they're going to go back on the heroin. 
during the clip, we transitioned back to uh, Mother Superior's apartment where they're all getting ready to do their stuff. Um, this is where it's pointed out that, you know, while the you know, sick boy continues his Bond obsession, ranting on about different Bond things uh, while they're getting high, uh, they describe or Mark describes the fact, you know, that they'll steal anything. I mean, we see him stealing a car battery. We heard that at the end of that clip. They steal prescription pads. They steal drugs from the National Health Service. They steal televisions from uh, from nursing homes. <laughs> they will steal anything and everything they can to make to continue the habit. Um, you know that this scene ends with them one by one shooting up and collapsing on the floor. Um, we do a quick cut to <laughs> uh, the boys are at a pub. And it's on the screen. It just says the first day of the Edinburgh Festival. And in walks an American uh, who asks if he can use the bathroom. And then as he goes in the bathroom, all of them follow him in the bathroom. And Begbie, Begbie's the guy, um, knocks him cold, beats the shit out of him. And they steal everything, his coat, his money, all of it. Um, they divvy up the money between the five of them and... Uh, the bartender's now got the coat, the, the guy's coat, and it's, you know, it's awful. And it's interesting because the actor, I didn't write his name down, who played the American also plays Gavin at the funeral scene later on. <laughs> <laughs> Same guy. They just, because just to save money. And he was dressed in a hat and everything as the American, so it was hard to identify him as, as the same guy. Um... So we are now back at Mother Superior's apartment, and we're going to play this clip. And it's um, this is a tough one, um, people. So, but I think it's necessary, and we'll you know we'll review it after. Hell, then, boy, the fucking sky. But the good times couldn't last forever. I think Alison had been screaming all day, but it hadn't really registered before. She might have been screaming for a week for all I knew. It had been days since I had anyone speak, but surely someone must have said something in all that time. Surely to fuck someone must have. Nothing could have been further from the truth. In point of fact, nothing was going to be just fine. On the contrary, everything was going to be bad. Bad. I mean, everything was going to be even worse than it already was. baby she wasn't my baby baby Don she wasn't mine spuds swannies sick boys I don't know maybe Alison knew maybe not I wished I could think of something to say something sympathetic something human see something Mark
I'm cooking up. she did. I could understand that, to take the pain away. So I cooked up and she got a hit. But only after me. That went without saying. Well, at least we knew who the father was now. It wasn't just the baby that died that day. Something inside sick boy was lost and never returned. It seemed he had no theory with which to explain a moment like this. Nor did I. Our only response was to keep on going and fuck everything. God. <laughs> That's yeah. so rough, um, man. I know. I I, I kind of debated whether or not to play the clip rather than describe it, but I, th- I thought I just thought it was important within the context of the movie to play this clip. So um, to basic, you know, to cover things for the listeners, um, they're all high. They were high for a long time. And the baby was left in the crib, and the baby died. Um, and it was brutal. It, it, um, I'll warn you now, if you're going to watch the movie, um, it's very graphic. Um, they don't hide anything. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because as bad as that is, they describe heroin addiction and drug addiction to a T in, what, in the reactions after everyone sees yeah. what happened. Just the fact that, you know, Sick Boy wants wants Mark to say something and all he says I'm cooking up and the fact that baby Don's mother Allison her first her first reaction is to want another hit yeah uh, because she knows it's going to take the pain away even though it's not um it's rough this is as absolutely real as this movie gets um and again I we describe the ups and downs in it there's a lot of very comedic scenes some gross scenes comedic scenes but they're counteracted by scenes like this or ba- counterbalanced by scenes like this in um 100 percent all the all the poopy yeah. humor <laughs> right the, yeah exactly exactly everything and, went out the window and right keep in mind first time I've ever seen this uh film this yeah fucking yeah this whole shit stopped my heart man i was like oh my god this no, is exactly um, I didn't see this movie in the theater because um, it actually didn't get a wide release in the States. Um, it was the number one theater in uh, the number one movie in Britain in uh, 1996 when it came out. Um, but it only got a limited release here. I saw it on DVD, you know, probably rented it from Blockbuster, to be honest with you, later in the year or whenever it came out. Um, but I remember seeing it the first time. And yeah, there's no, you know, there's no dancing around it. It's brutal. It's honest, it's real, and it's just, uh, it's heart-wrenching. Um, so we find out, so there is a T2. There's a, there's a Train Spotting 2 that came out a few years ago. Um, that I think it's like takes place 20 years after the first one. Um, this scene yeah, was so affecting that, it, that yeah. I just stopped myself from making a Terminator joke. <laughs> I know, because I called Wait, it no, T2. No. It's so like movie, I stopped yeah. myself from making a Terminator joke. I know, right? <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, the sequel is called T Two Train Spotting. Like it is called that. It's, um, but in any case, it's confirmed that the baby was 
Sick Boys. I mean, yes, we knew it from mm. his reaction, but it is confirmed in the second movie and the book that comes from the book. The funny thing is, the second book is just called Porno, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, he it's confirmed that that the baby was his. Um, and you know, we're going to learn that what Mark said about he, you know a part of him was lost and never returned. You know, we'll see that somewhat in the upcoming scenes. Um, so, so again, the bottom line is even this didn't slow any of them down. Um, they are now still on a, a, a you know a stealing rampage. Uh, they head into a department store to shoplift, and they're immediately caught and chased. And this brings us full circle to the opening scene where we see Spud and Mark being chased by the police. Um, but this time, there's no great lust for life playing in the background is very somber music because this time around we see the two of them get arrested um and mark just taught he narrates you know about the never-ending cycle of destruction you know they steal they get high they steal more they get high more but it's never enough on either front they can never steal enough to get high enough and then it's just this the snake eating its own tail um you know, and again, it's a it's a good description, at least in my non-drug using estimation of of you know drug abuse and, and drug addiction. Um, so we the boys are now in court, and we're going to run a quick clip uh, about that. So because shoplifting is theft, which is a crime, and despite what you may believe, there is no such entity as victimless crime. Heroin addiction may explain your actions, but it does not excuse them. Mr. Murphy, you are a habitual thief, devoid of regret and remorse. In sentencing you to six months imprisonment, my only worry is that it will not be long before we meet again. Mr. Renton, I understand that you have entered into a program of rehabilitation in an attempt to wean yourself away from heroin. The suspension of your sentence is conditional on your continued cooperation with this program. Should you stand guilty before me again, I shall not hesitate to impose a custodial sentence. Thank you, Your Honor. With God's help, I'll conquer this terrible affliction. I mean, the insincerity of that statement by Mark is just palpable. The judge even looked at him like, you know, yeah. piece of shit. <laughs> He's yeah. so full of shit. The amount um, of smoke you're trying to blow up my, yeah. my ass right now is, is exactly, ridiculous. Exactly. He, he was having none of it. He knew he was going to see him again. Um, so, yeah, we are, uh, you know, Spud got sentenced to six months because he, he had a prior record. Um, and Mark got off because he joined a real rehabilitation program. Um, the whole crew, including Mark's mom and dad, are now at the pub, the local pub, and they are, you know, they're lamenting Spud's conviction and kind of celebrating Mark avoiding jail in favor of the rehab program. Um, it's here that his parents are revealed as you know, well-meaning enablers. I mean, you know, the mom talks about, you know, worrying about how I almost lost you, um, but, you know, cuddling up to him and treating him like the good boy and uh, so we can see that's part of the issue, uh, you know, and it, it obviously goes back to when his childhood, you know, was it, the, the enablement was there. And, of course, I, I just think of the world's end, 
Yeah. <laughs> Gary and the Enablers. That's a good name for a band. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, and it's just not helping Mark face reality. That's the problem. Uh, Begbie lectures some more like he does um, threatening <laughs> while he lectures. And Sick Boy, that motherfucker, <laughs> he has the boss to look Mark right in the eye and tell him to choose life. Um, I, oh, God, even I, I wanted to choke him out. You know, a movie character. I want to reach in the screen and choke him out. It was, it was the just, wink too. He, yes, you know, exactly, exactly. Shitty you know, wink. It was it was horrible. And then Spud's mom comes in and she walks over to the table and everybody gets quiet and Mark stands up and he offers an apology and you know he states that he wishes it was him um, and not Spud that went away and he actually means that he seriously means that because he's got a, a you know a special place in his heart for Spud because. You know, Spud's at a disadvantage for other reasons. He's not the brightest bulb in the pack, but he's a good—he's a good soul. It's mixed up and and screwed by this drug addiction. Um, Begbie, Begbie's again—he doesn't beat up Spud's mom, but he verbally abuses her, blames her for her son being a fuck up. I mean, he's just a horrible, horrible human being. You know, it's awful. Um, this act—this hurts Mark um, so much so that he. He gets up and he says he's going to the bathroom. He sneaks out the back of the pub. And he talks about the fact that the methadone they have him on isn't working. He gets three shots a day. He takes them all in the morning. He's got to wait 18 hours for the next round. Um, so he needs, he needs a fix. Um, really cool transition. He climbs up a wall at the back of the pub. And he jumps off the wall. And he lands in Mother Superior's apartment. This is that cool Danny Boyle trick I really... I really like him. You know, I I just, I can't say enough how the movie itself stands on its own, but Danny Boyle, again, is one of my favorite directors. Um, I, there's not a thing I don't love that he's done. And I love his techniques and I love his storytelling and his visuals. His visuals are amazing. Like the color in Danny Boyle movies. If you've seen The Beach, the movie The Beach with uh, uh, Leo, um, I read the book before the movie came out and it's a pretty decent interpretation robert carlisle's in the beach as well for a little bit um but the visuals in that movie are stunning slumdog millionaire i mean you can't say enough about the colors and everything in that movie uh so danny boyle does it for me and just even this this little thing of mark jumping off a wall and landing in an apartment uh is is cool and it, it makes the movie even better for me um, and that's something that a lot of filmmakers overlook the those transitions from scene to scene yeah um yeah. they're exactly. they're really creative in this movie man there there was right. there's a sequence later on where a character is shuffling his socks in yeah. a way yeah yeah that is very annoying visually yeah but the very next shot is of a strobe light and I, it struck me as like what a cool like tie-in between two things that you wouldn't have associated to it was very yeah like visually interesting and the thing is it's like it's these types of shots that don't cost money to do it doesn't cost more money in the budget to create this it's just it's the process and it's just lends itself to 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 danny boyle's creativity i mean the guy is he's one of a kind and i i gotta take a step back from the movie for a second eric and let you know that when your microphone sort of fades in and out from the zoom because of the the background you have but when it fades in and your head is moved to your right a little bit the microphone is right in mark's mouth like a big dick it is okay? oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> and his mouth's like <laughs> <laughs> you guys like it's, that it's very distracting oh. see it, it, yes 
It's there, oh. it's not there, it's there, and it's not there. Oh. And, yeah, it's very distracting, but it's funny. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mark is back with Mother Superior. It's just the two of them. There is such witty dialogue between the two, um, with Mark asking what's on the menu, and Mother Superior acting like the maid of D, you know, reading the special for the night. Mark asked to put it on his tab, and, you know, Mother Superior just comically reminds him that, that your tab is full <laughs> and has yet to be paid. So Mark has some money. Um, uh, he takes his hit, and he immediately overdoses. This is not good. Um, and again, the visual is just remarkable. As Mark starts to overdose, he sinks into the carpet. Um, they use a simple trap door to get that done, sort of like the pool scene in, in, in Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, so he sinks into the carpet. So he's basically enveloped by the carpet. He can still see, but he's, it's almost like look, it's looking up from a grave is what it's, yeah. it, it yeah. is. But it's a red shag carpet. Um, Mother Superior recognizes the overdose, and his only thought is get Mark out of that apartment before he gets busted. Um, so he drags Mark down the stairs by his feet. So Mark's head slamming against the steps all the way down the stairs and out into the street. And um, you hear an ambulance in the distance. And you actually see shots of the ambulance racing through this almost abandoned apartment complex where Mother Superior lives. And you think he called the ambulance for Mark. But then a taxi pulls up <laughs> and the ambulance drives by to go somewhere else. So that was another cool, like, slide of hand thing that Danny Boyle pulled um, to distract us. Uh, Mother Superior puts uh, Mark in the backseat of the cab, puts some money in his pocket, and tells the driver to take him to the hospital. Um, the driver pulls up and dumps him. <laughs> he dumps him right in front of emergency on, on the asphalt. Um, they, they come out, they grab him, they put him on a stretcher. He still has the view. He's in and out of consciousness. He still has the view of the carpet, of looking out from the grave because he is almost dead. Um, he's still in the hallway when one of the nurses gives him what I guess is the 1996 version of Narcan because uh, yeah. they inject it intravenously. I don't know what drug it is, but it immediately pulls him out of the, you know, out of the OD and into consciousness and you see him basically, you know, from his point of view, erupt out of this carpet grave. Um, again, like stunningly done. I, it, it's, it's really cool. Um, so Mark's hit bottom, if that is such a thing, and he even makes reference to that in a lot of his narration about the fact it's, yeah, I, I, I'm off the drugs this time <laughs> until the next time. So um, Mark's parents come to pick him up and they bring him home. And they proceed to lock him in his childhood room, which is wallpapered with trains. So another reference to trains and train spotting in general. Uh, um, just, you know, a little nod to the title. Um, they are going to do this the old-fashioned way, the, the cold turkey way. Um, they need to lock him in the room, and he needs to sweat it out of him. He needs to just go through the hallucinations and get the, get the shit out of his system and go from there. So they lock him up. They actually have a padlock on the outside of the door, and he's locked in the room. Um, the hallucinations are brutal. Um, yeah. They, they are realistic and fucked up and exactly what you would imagine somebody would see in this state trying to get the, this poison out of their system. I mean, just to run through the list quick, there's a dance slash rave music starts. Really cool tune, by the way. I like that tune. 
Um, the room grows and stretches. Uh, Diane is sitting at the foot of his bed singing that, that New Order song to him in her school uniform. Um, <laughs> Begbie is under the covers threatening that if he doesn't get this poison out of his system, he's going to come back and kick it out of his system, smoking in the bed underneath the covers. Yeah. Uh, then we come to the baby. The baby's crawling on the ceiling towards him. It's at the other end of the room, but it's on the ceiling making baby cooing noises, and it's crawling towards him on the ceiling. Um, they cut to a, a, an imaginary game show. His parents are on a game show when they're answering questions about AIDS. Um, we'll get into the significance of that in, in, a, in a couple of minutes. But um, And then the shithead sick boy sitting in a chair, you know, lecturing him about just say no to drugs with, with Mark's mom standing in the background. Uh, there's more baby on the ceiling. There's Spud in pajamas in a ball and chain sitting on top of the door, just kicking the door with the chain around his ankle. Um, and, I mean, that was rough for me because, you know, again, he has this special yeah. place in his heart for Spud. And, you know, and that um, Tommy, who is now a drug addict, did I miss that whole thing? Well, Maybe I, you, you kind of get this. How did I miss that, though? Or does it happen after? There's no, a scene where Mark Mark is hanging out with Tommy, and yeah. Tommy says he wants to try it. Yeah, and yeah. Mark is not going to let him, but then Tommy says, I'm a grown adult, and I have money. And Mark takes the money and gives him the fucking drugs. So anyway, yeah. if I missed that, I apologize, folks. But Mark is now completely addicted to the heroin, and he looks awful. All right? And again, we'll get into that in a bit. Um, the final hallucination is the baby right over his head, he, he, the baby's head does an exorcist thing, turns completely around, um, and Mark is screaming his head off, and he starts to see flashes of everything that he's seen, and then the baby falls towards him from the ceiling, and then he is then, we, we cut to his parents waking him up. Um, they're waking him up because he's gotten through the worst of it, um, and they just let him know that it's time to get tested. Um, we're not quite sure. We kind of understand what they're talking about. Uh, he goes to the hospital, and he's going to be tested for AIDS. Um, so <laughs> while, while they're waiting for the results, Mark's mom brings him to her bingo, her weekly bingo. So there's a bunch of old ladies and him just sitting there in a vegetative state as, as they, um, they play bingo. Um, Mark finds what? out he tests. Was that? No, I was just going to say, we're we going to talk about your, your boy, Danny Boyle for a second here. Yeah. Because that that whole sequence that you just described it was all these like cheaply done practical yeah. visual effects. Yep. And I I watched that scene a couple of times because mm-hmm. even though it was my first watch of this movie, I had to pause it and rewind it because it's yeah. so fucked up. Yeah. And uh yeah. maybe the most impressive part of that sequence to me was under the bed sheets like when he's yes. hiding from everything and and dude's next to him for a minute there's no apparent cuts right like they're there but they're just skillfully hidden and yep. Yep. you know even the stretching walls and the uh, yeah probably you know miniatures and the shit even the baby looked fake right like the crying right. baby on this you of could course. see the little seem like the track that it was right on. where it was on and it wasn't touching the ceiling and, and but yeah. yeah i mean it's but the it's way it what was you'd inter- see in a hallucination so yeah it know. was just it, it was very yeah. affecting man that baby 
Mm-mm. Like, yeah. I will, I'll see that when I close my eyes tonight after yeah. we're done recording this episode for it. sure. I get it. I do. It was just disturbing, man. When the head, yeah. you knew the head was going to turn. You knew right. it was coming. The yeah. anticipation, right. the, it's just, it built and it built and it built. And then when it fell on his face, oh my God. Yeah. If you And if, just so the listeners <sighs> know, the, the baby, it's funny, the baby is fucked up looking, but it does not look like the baby that we see in the in the scene where it dies it looks yeah, different but it's yeah. still like messed up okay it's got like an almost adult face it's very strange it's yeah. very unnerving <laughs> it's fucking right right oh so mark finds out he's negative and this is where in his narration he drives it home and it's important it's more important when you watch this movie today because you forget what was going on in 96 when this movie was made um, he points out the fact that he's the luckiest guy in the world because he's a junkie living in the midst of an epidemic and he comes away clean. And they're talking about the AIDS epidemic. And, you know, drug addicts were as likely to get AIDS from needle sharing as, as the gay community. And, and so he's, he points that out. And it, it definitely reminds you as a person in 2021 that, you know, we're talking it's 30 years ago now, but it's it's real. And it was it was crazy. So. Um, so Mark is now clean. He seems to be doing all right. Um, he goes to visit Tommy and he gets there and all, all around Tommy's apartment on the walls leading up to his apartment. They mentioned, you know, that he has the plague and all references to having AIDS. And we see Tommy, and he does, in fact, he has AIDS. Um, he, he was not one of the lucky ones. Um, Mark tries to keep the conversation light, partly for Tommy, but partly so he doesn't have to deal with it either. Um, he gives Tommy some money because Tommy's asking for money because the only thing that's keeping the pain away is the heroin. So um, he, Tommy gives him some money and leaves. Um, he's still living at home. Diane comes over for a visit, and I find this kind of funny. She notices he has hash <laughs> in the bedroom, and yeah. they smoke hash. I, I, you know, he's a drug addict. He's clean, and he's smoking hash. But anyway, um, they have a conversation, and she starts talking to him about the world, how the world is changing, everything from music. <laughs> she references Ziggy Pop, and he calls her on it. Um, <laughs> you know, music is changing. The drugs are changing. Your friends are changing. Everything's changing. And she suggests to Mark that he needs, in order to continue to be sober, he needs to find something new. Um, and this gives him the idea. So he decides now to move to London. And another great Danny Boyle uh, technique, or just the, what he did in this movie, we immediately transition to an upbeat, like, dance music. It's called Think About the Way. You'll, when you hear it, you'll know it. Uh, like, it's it's a... Even for people who don't know dance music and rave music, you know this song, at least the beginning intro of it. Um, and it's got this great, he's got this great montage, this touristy montage of all the hot spots in London and people waving at the camera and, you know, like the beef eater waving at the camera and the doorman and, you know, uh, just to show the thrill of London and how London is alive. Um, so Mark is down there. He's working as a realtor. Um, he is showing beautifully converted Victorian townhouses <laughs> to couples looking to rent. 
Because I'm laughing because they use that phrase like three or four times. It's yeah. you know, beautifully converted Victorian townhouses. What shocked me also is this is 1996. So this is 25 years ago. I said 30. It was like 27 years ago. They were charging 320 pounds a week. So 1,280 pounds a month for a little two-bedroom place in London in 1996. <laughs> Sounds about right. You know, that's like 15 or 1,600 bucks. So today, that's like three grand. You know, it's just, yeah. it's nuts. Anyway, that's just an aside. Well, um, I mean, we're, when I was trying to get a place in 2000 in Miami for an efficiency was $1,400 a month. Yeah. Whoa. You're right. You know what? The, yeah. the prices were probably the same in New York back then. I, yeah. You know, we were. Sounds about right. Yeah. That's true. Very true. Um, My first so, apartment was $650 a month, <laughs> split go. between four people in two there bedrooms. Yeah. Um, so we notice that Mark, and he even says it, he's actually, he's enjoying himself. And he especially doesn't miss the boys, uh, with the exception of Spud. But he does not miss Sick Boy Begbie. He, you know, he doesn't miss them at all. Um, he receives a letter from Diane. So it's great that they're still corresponding. She's still, four, you know, she might be 15 now, who knows. But, you know, they, they definitely have a connection. 15 years yeah. old. All right. Leave her alone, they said. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that I don't actually know that song. Like, <laughs> I only know that song from you guys. I'm sure you've heard that song before. No, I no. See, no, there's no way you've lived your entire life and never heard the song. No, I can guarantee you, I have. If because I could fly, I pick you up. I take you into. I live the my whole night. life without seeing Friday, Joe. You think I can avoid can't avoid that song? Trust <laughs> nah, me, man. I that's can't. Benny Mardonis. Try, no, I I never heard of Benny Mardonis till you uttered his name. Never. Just, heard there's no the way guy. you've never heard this song. I don't believe. I've this not thing. heard this song because, look, my radio is on a rock station or it's off. I never listen to Top 100. Never listen to pop. But that never would come on a rock station. Rock station. It would not ever have played on any station in New York, mm. ever. That would be a cardinal sin. Wouldn't mm. happen. The only possibility mm. is if Howard Stern played that as a joke, and listening See, to Stern in the mornings, I might have heard it. But otherwise, I think never. My, my terrible singing is not doing the song you okay. know, the justice of you recognizing right. it. You have the voice of an angel, John. Well, I mean, I know, but still, Don't sell yourself short. a fallen angel. Yes. All right. So, so uh, Diane writes a letter, sends a letter to Mark, and uh, let's roll a clip, Joe. For the first time in my adult life, I was almost content. Dear Mark, I'm glad you find a job and somewhere to live. School is fine at the moment. I'm not pregnant, but thanks for asking. Your friend Sick Boy asked me last week if I would like to work for him, but I told him where to go. I met Spud, who sends his regards. Or at least I think that's what he said. No one has seen Tommy for ages. And finally, Francis Begbie has been on television a lot this week. As he is wanted by the police in connection with an armed robbery in a jeweler's in Kerstorfen. Take care. Yours with love, Diane. Francis Baby. Oh no. <laughs> that is so oh, good. No. Again, Danny Boyle, I love you. Um, that is the best. Um, the first time I saw that, saw the movie, when she when he read her 
Diane's letter and she said his name. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> showing up. And sure enough, that doorbell rings and it is uh, Francis Begbie. Um, Mark's worst fucking nightmare. Because he comes in with the full, the full Begbie force. He's bullying Mark immediately. He's ordering him around. He's turning the apartment into a shithole. I love the rant in the beginning where he's like, how could it be armed robbery? I used a replica. How can a replica yeah. mean armed robbery? And again, this is our second movie mentioning replica firearms. It in didn't England. say 0. .50 Desert <laughs> Exactly. <Eagle>. It said <laughs> replica. Um, so, you know, he's, he's ranting about that. And again, he's just, he's just Begbie. He's treating Mark like shit. Uh, at one point, he's watching the horse races, and he, he tells Mark um, he needs him to go to the bookie and put $5 on Bad Boy, I think. Um, yeah, I forget. But, um, uh, yeah, Bad Boy, a horse called Bad Boy in a race. Um, he grabs Mark's tray of coins and <laughs> throws it at him to bet on the yeah. horse. So it's not even his own fucking money. Of course, Bad Boy wins. <laughs> Bagby goes nuts, and... Uh, uh, they go out on the town. They're going to celebrate now. So they're at a club in London. Um, Mark is doing his usual. He's leaning against the walls watching a dance club. He's getting into the music, and you know, he's having a good time. Begbie's on the dance floor with a girl. He's getting hot and heavy with her. Um, they make it out to a car. It's not his car. It's probably her car. Um, and you know, Begbie's making his moves. He reaches down, and he grabs a handful of man parts. Yep. <laughs> So he's been fooled. Um, Which, oddly enough, you think this is what he wants. So, like, Well, that's the thing, because this is the one time he was just as enraged as he gets, but he did not do violence. Yeah. yeah. He got out of the car, and he just started punching the wall. He left the, per- the, the, the girl guy alone. So- also, a handful of man parts is the uh, name of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's, um, you know, it, it's weird. His reaction is weird. And this goes back to that backstory and, and the author's approval of the backstory in that, yeah, he's a closeted gay man. And you're right, Joe, like deep down, he, he was attracted to this and it's freaking him out so much that he can't yeah. even do the violence that he does. Um, <laughs> Mark, Mark's quip in narration is great. He goes, a thousand years from now, there'll be no boys or girls, only wankers. <laughs> He's not he just wrong. hates people. He's Except not wrong. Only took, it only took 27 years. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, you know, he he just he hates people. He fight, he's a man after my own heart. He hates people. Um, we're back at the apartment now, and Begbie, of course, is just profusely proclaiming that he's not a puffy, <laughs> as he calls it. Um, Puff adder. Yeah. <laughs> Mark makes a joke about it, and Begbie just grabs him by the throat against the wall and almost knifes his balls off. Because uh, the, the violence starts coming back because he's in a familiar surrounding now. Um, it's at that moment that the doorbell rings again, and we already know who it's going to be. It's Sick Boy. Um, so the triumvirate of drug addict idiots is now back together. Um, and, and Mark is just fucking beside himself. Um, we learn that Sick Boy has reinvented himself as a pimp and a pusher um, because Diane made a reference in her letter to him coming to see if she wanted to work for him, and now we understand what he was asking her to do. Um, and he's, he's in London to sort of expand his contact list. Um, 
you know, Sick Boy's presence just makes things more unbearable. He ste- <laughs> he fucking he steals Mark's TV from the apartment they're living in to sell it because yeah. he needs money. And then he is absolutely indignant about Mark being pissed at him for selling the television. <laughs> he doesn't understand why Mark is angry with him. He then goes on to t- ask Mark, do you have a passport? Because I know a guy who'll sell that passport for a lot of money. Uh, they, you know, they give it to, to Eastern Europeans uh, so they can get in the country as, as uh, Brits. And, you know, it, Mark is just scratching his head. Um, he decides the best thing to do is to get them out. So he moves, <laughs> he moves them into that converted Victorian townhouse that he talks about so often. And he cleans his place up. Um, that doesn't last long because the, his boss, Mark's boss, comes in to show the place to a couple and the boys ambush them from the closet. <laughs> and it's just great the way they do it. You so see them jump out. Came out of the closet? Yes, he actually the, he did. It, it, yep, literally out of the closet <laughs> with, uh, with Sick Boy. Um, so now, we, you know, again, we've got some funny scenes, some crazy scenes of funny scenes, but now it's time for Danny Boyle and, uh, you know, Mr. Welsh to bring us down. Um, they now have to head back to Scotland because Tommy has passed away. Um, you know, we assume the aides got him. We're going to learn in a minute. It's not quite. <laughs> um, so they're headed back home. Um, they're at the funeral service in Gavin, another friend of the crew. He is the same actor who played the American in the, in the uh, earlier scene. Um, he is whispering to uh, Mark, that Tommy died of what's called toxoplasmosis, and that's a real thing. Um, it happens when it happens in hoarding situations when people don't clean up after the cats, and the cat shit can create this parasite that can like kill a human. Um, it gets in your brain and creates abscesses, and you die of a stroke. So, like Tommy was gonna die in one form or another, you know, from cancer or from you know any of the immune the immunodeficiencies that AIDS creates, but the 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 cat you know and to take a step back he bought this kitten to bring to lizzie to get her back and she told him to fuck off and he he had to keep the kitten and um they found his body like two weeks or a week and a half or whatever after he died because of the smell um to add insult to injury the kitten was fine yeah Exactly. That was Gavin. Gavin, you know, he tells the story. Everybody's sad. Then he leans in again and whispers to Mark. The kid was fine. (laughs) You know, Um, we move back to the pub. Uh, Spud is he's singing a really sad song, uh, you know, in honor of Tommy about the two of them as little boys. Um, And, you know, it's definitely emotional. It's hard. Um, So we are now back in what was Mother Superior's apartment. He's not there. Um, they are drinking to Tommy, and Sick Boy starts filling the guys in on a plan. Uh, he found a connection from Mikey Forrester, actually the suppository guy, uh, a connection to buy two kilos of heroin at a very reasonable price of 2,000 pounds um, that they would turn for a large profit. Um, you know, there's a whole thing about Russian sailors and everything in there. It's kind of funny, but, you know... Uh, Mark wants no part of this. You know, he's done with it all. He, he's he's trying to protect Spud because he knows he'll get in trouble. And Spud's just like, look, I, I want the money. Uh, they eventually talk him into doing it. 
Um, so we got another clip. There were a lot of possibilities running through my mind about what might happen in London. Things I didn't want to talk to anyone about. Ideas best kept to myself. What no one told me was that when we bought the skag, some lucky punter would have to try it out. Begbie didn't trust Spud, and Sick Boy was too careful these days. So I rolled up my sleeve, I spiked my vein, and I did what had to be done. It's good. Oh, it's really fucking good. I promised myself another one before I got to London. Just the one, like, for old time's sake. Just to piss Begbie off. This was his nightmare. The dodgiest scam in a lifetime of dodgy scams. Being perpetrated with three of the most useless and unreliable fuck-ups in town. I knew what was going on in his mind. Any trouble in London, he would dump us immediately. One way or another, he had to. If he got caught with a bag full of skag on top of that armed robbery shit, he was going down for 15 to 20. Begbie was hard, but not so hard that he didn't shite it off 20 years and saw him. This was to be my final hit. But let's be clear about this. There's final hits and final hits. What kind was this to be? All right, so yeah, they're all in, um, and I referenced it earlier about this, you know, about the final hits. There's final hits, and then there's final hits, and you never know what kind of final hit that's going to be. Um, so we're in the home stretch, folks. We're going to power through this. We're going to make this a two-parter. Um, it would have been uh, pretty fucked up if the movie ended right there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know, right? Final hits, and there's exactly. final hits. Uh, which one's yeah. this going to be? Oh, it's the bad one. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Don't uh, stop believing. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because they're in the bus heading back to London when he tries another, takes another small hit. Um, Begbie is losing his mind. I mean, when Mark referenced him, you know, being hard but not that hard, he's really not because he's, he's fucking nervous as shit that he can go down for 20 years for this because of the armed robbery and such. So, um they are back in London now, and they had to meet their connection at this London hotel. Kind of shady, but, you know, not bad as shady hotels go. <laughs> um, they go into the hotel room. They meet the guy, the dealer. They're going to sell it to. They test the drugs. It's kind of funny because he hands, the, he hands the drugs to his tester who goes into the closet or the bathroom. I don't know what that room is. It could be the bathroom, but... Um, when they wrap this up, the guy never leaves. <laughs> he's, he's still, he never comes out of that room again. So I don't know where the fuck he went. But um, they they want twenty. They want twenty grand. Um, the very very polite, the most polite drug dealer I've ever seen in in a movie. Um, he says, "No, I can't go higher than 15. And they they haggle back and forth. And they settle on sixteen thousand, um, which is a shit ton of money for the boys, obviously. So, you know, everybody leaves or, you know, the drug dealer and his, his cohorts leave the 
the room and the boys celebrate like they won the friggin' national lottery. <laughs> They're thrilled. Um, they go to a pub and they start talking. You know, they're all making grandiose plans for their windfall. Um, Bagby goes to the bar to get some more drinks for them. Sick Boy goes to the bathroom. So with just Mark and Spud there, Mark immediately starts thinking about grabbing the bag of money and running. And he's trying to talk Spud into doing it. Um, but before any of that can take place, Sick Boy comes back from the bathroom. So, the, you know, they don't do anything. Um, Begbie pulls the final Begbie, <laughs> the almost final Begbie of the movie. Uh, returning from the bar with the pints, he, you know, walks. He can't walk. He, he can't help himself. He won't walk around this group of guys talking. He walks, tries to walk through them, and beer spills on his, on his shirt. And he immediately blames the guys. And it gets brutal instantly. I mean, he jams the pint into the guy's face and opens him up, bleed, you know, blood everywhere. He starts pounding on that guy. The boys come over. Sick Boy and, and Spud come over to break it up. Spud reaches out, and he gets his hand cut open by Begby's knife. And it's just a, it's a shit show. It's the, the typical Begby shit show. Um it's funny. Um, Spud's wearing a silk shirt that's mainly yellow, right? He gets so much blood on it, but it fades into the shirt so well, it looks like a design yeah, on the shirt. It does. <laughs> it actually looks like a very cool design on the shirt, but it's just blood because he's bleeding so much. Um, Begbie goes on a total power trip, and he calls Mark over from the table, tells him to bring him a cigarette. Not only does he have to bring it to him, he's got to light it and put it in Begbie's mouth. Like the ultimate humiliation because he's, you know, losing his, his complete shit. Um, we are now back at the hotel. Um, the Another song, dance song that you will know immediately when you hear it, Born Slippy by Nux starts playing. Um, and we watch Mark. is there all, all of them are asleep. Mark's awake and... He's like, you know, he's slipping around the room. He goes into the bathroom, and then he goes over to, to Begby's side of that bed, and he, um, he manages to get the money bag out from Begby's arms without waking Begby up. Um, he steps over a sleeping sick boy on the floor, steps over Spud, and as he's opening the door, he notices that Spud is awake. And Spud is completely distraught. He doesn't want him to leave. He doesn't want him to, to you know, run away. He shakes his head, but Mark is determined, and he walks out the door. So we're going to run the final clip now, and uh, it's going to sum up everything, and then we'll, we'll talk some more. Now, I've justified this to myself in all sorts of ways. It wasn't a big deal, just a minor betrayal. Or, we'd outgrown each other, you know, that sort of thing. But let's face it, I ripped them off, my so-called mates. But Begbie, I couldn't give a shit about him. And sick boy, well, he'd have done the same to me if he'd only thought of it first. And Spud, well, okay, I felt sorry for Spud. He never hurt anybody.
why did I do it? I could offer a million answers, all false. The truth is that I'm a bad person, but that's going to change. I'm going to change. This is the last of that sort of thing. I'm cleaning up and I'm moving on, going straight and choosing life. I'm looking forward to it already. I'm going to be just like you. The job, the family, the fucking big television, the washing machine, the car, the compact disc and electrical tin opener, good health, low cholesterol, dental insurance, mortgage, starter home, leisure wear, luggage, three-piece suite, DIY, game shows, junk food, children, walks in the park, nine to five, good at golf, washing the car, choice of sweaters, family Christmas, index pension, tax exemption, clearing the gutters, getting by, looking ahead, the day you die. So, just fade it out. All right, we can start talking over this. This is the end of the movie. I forgot that last little bit. So, just to quickly sum up that that clip, um, you know, again, Mark sneaks out of the room. He goes, he narrates, you know, why he did it and everything. Uh, Begbie pulls his final Begbie, and he's destroying the hotel room. The rest of the boys are outside in the hall. The cops come. So we know Begbie's going away. Um, so that's, that's a done deal. Um, the last sound you hear, or earlier in the clip, you hear, uh, you see Mark put a stack of the cash in the locker where his passport was. Um, for, for Spud and the very last noise you hear is Spud opening the locker because Mark let him know and he finds the stack of cash so he's super happy he closes the locker door we're inside the locker he closes the door and the movie ends um, you know it, it's yeah that's train spotting folks that's train spotting so um, yeah I mean there is an end it's funny there's there's no end credit scene, but if you play the credits to the end of the movie, the last 20 seconds are, I don't think it's Johnny Lee Miller, but it's in tune to the song that's playing there. They list the seven James Bond movies that uh, yeah. Sick Boy talked about. <laughs> they, just, they just read off the seven movies in time with the music, uh, you know, uh, the Bond movies. So, um, yeah, that's... That's train spotting. I mean, again, it's a roller coaster. It's a, a, a slap in the face many times. It's some good laughs. It's some sick laughs. And it's uh, some real brutality on a visceral level. So, um, yeah. We want to do I, the ratings? I understand. Talk first? I, think, mm -hmm. I think we got to talk this one out because, you know. Okay. <laughs> I understand now, having seen it. Why this was such a sought after, I I think there was a lot of hype around that in particular that detox sequence. Yeah, and yeah. it was one of those things that people talked like I remember hearing about it vaguely, um, but you know it's it's just one of those cinematic like, have you fucking seen Train Spotting? Like have you seen this fucked up baby right. crawling on the ceiling? Yes, shit? yeah. Yeah, it's so, in that list of the, have you seen this fucked up movie? Like, have you seen Kids? Have you seen Trainspotting? Have you seen Donnie Darko? Have you seen yeah. Requiem for a Dream? Have no, you seen exactly. Clockwork Orange? <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's very so true. I, I, I SLC love that, Punk. SLC, yeah, exactly. I love that you picked this movie and, and a lot of the movies that you picked that fall into that category of, of um, movies I somehow 
missed, even yep. though, you know, like as a, as a quote unquote, like cinephile, you know, it's mm-hmm. stuff I should have seen. So I'm, I'm, I'm super happy for the experience, man. And I yeah. love that it was fucked up. Like, you know, cause right. it'll stick with me for a minute. You know, that's, it's a, a lot to digest. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, no, I, like I said, when I, when I found out that you hadn't seen it and then learned just today that Joe realized he hadn't seen it, I, I was very excited. I told Eric, yeah. you know, uh, before I said, I'm so excited because, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm glad that you got to experience it, you know, um, yeah. for yeah. the first time, um, as, as messed up as it is. So well, you, um, you tend to say that a lot, like, man, I'm jealous of you that you're, you're getting to see this for the first time. Cause it's something that, you know, yeah. For some reason, I was picturing this movie was something similar to like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, like, okay, yeah. yeah that's yeah. what like I, my mind was going like that way when I was thinking this. Like right. Meet Me in Montauk. Like yep. I was thinking that that style movie. I did not expect. So it was like I was like, first of all, I'm like it's fucking uh, Scottish. <laughs> like yeah. that was a big like shock. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I get it. I get it. So yeah, um, I, yeah, I I was excited that you guys got to experience this uh, for all it provides good bad and otherwise you know um i mean just so yeah, on, on title alone it sounds like a romantic comedy yeah, or, yeah. you know that's exactly. what I, I was thinking something more like garden state or like <laughs> right it's kind of like no nope, bridges of madison county like yeah yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what i was feeling for some reason my mind was going there <laughs> yeah no we went in the other direction um so so everybody understands uh train spotting 2 was released in 2016 20 years after the original and it takes place 20 years after the original. So they're all adults now. Um, the big, they're still alive. The, wow. Right. The crazy part is that, guess how many years Begbie got sent away for? 20, 20 years. He's out. Whoa. And he's not oh, happy. Oh, shit. So it's, it's a different movie than the first one because there's that revenge plot, a portion of the plot, um, and just how their lives have changed. Oh, um, shit, I got And they're see all it. back. I mean, Kel- Kelly McDonald is back as Diane, and, and Spud, Ewan hmm. Bremer, and Ewan McGregor, and, and Robert Carlyle, they're all back for this. Um, it's not, to me, it's not, a, I don't have it as highly rated as this movie, but it's still well worth the watch if you are or become a fan of the first one. It's definitely mm. worth it because it's well done. Danny Boyle did it, so the pedigree is all still there. So I would recommend watching that after you watch this. So oh, I'm watching um, it for sure. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that sequel is in the cell next to his in the prison before he gets out after the 20 year sentence, Sarah Connor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. So um, so yeah. So I guess now it's time we can do our ratings. Or I always forget what we do. So just help me. Uh, we just got ratings. In I Patreon, am a movie critic. Oh, I thought you meant that. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Yes, let's proceed with ratings. Go ahead. I am a movie critic by trade, and until recently, I got paid to tell you people which movies merely stink and which ones you shouldn't screen near an open flame. Well, I'm putting the burden of lousy movies back on you. It's very simple. If you stop going to bad movies, they'll stop making bad movies. If the movie used to be a TV show, just don't go. After Roman numeral two, give it a rest. If it's a remake of a classic, rent the classic. 
Tell them you want stories about people, not a hundred million dollars of stunts and explosives. People, it's up to you. If the movie stinks, just don't go. I was entertained. Uh, so let's start with Joe. Were you entertained? All right. So this movie suffers from the same thing from to me that Goodfellas did. It feels like two separate movies. It's okay. like the first part of the movie wasn't long enough, so let's just tack on this weird fucking drug running shit. But like the movie should have ended right after like the sentencing part and then him like going back in like that's where it should have ended. Like we don't need the fucking overdose and all that shit. Just have him fucking go back like he's leaving to go back to get another hit and then leaves it all up for debate. But then again, that would only have been like an hour movie. So, so right. It, it kind of like they needed something else to fill in the space there. Yeah. Um, but I, I felt that could have been a natural ending. Um, I did like the fact that I hadn't seen this before and it, it did keep my attention one way or another. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of fucking shitty stuff that happened. Like I said, if you're playing like the shitty fucking bingo card, you got overdoses, fucking AIDS, pedophiles, uh, dead babies, drug fucking hallucinations, like withdrawal hallucinog- yeah. hallucinations. I mean, there's like every single fucking thing, backstabbing, um, bar stabbing, throwing a fucking cut. Like, there's just so much <laughs> shit in this movie. Like, yeah. you could win. You could win the fucking fucked up shit bingo. And yep. that's not even including throwing the fucking shit on the parents and then thinking <laughs> that the other underage girl's parents are her roommates. Right. I mean, um, I did like, I like the casting. Um, like I said, it's, it's an older movie. I mean, it is nineties though. So like it felt like it was, but I guess low budget. Cause it felt kind of like shitty fucking like quality wise. Yeah. It was a mill and a half it was done for a mill and a half, but it was a number one yeah. grossing movie in England that year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I it was good. Like it was a good movie. It, you know, mm-hmm. you felt for the people, but just for me, I'll probably never watch it again. I never okay. watched it in the first place. I'll probably never watch it again. Uh, it's just kind of too fucked up, and I don't really need that yeah. negativity in my life. <laughs> um, I I enjoyed it enough, but I'll probably, if I rate it somewhere, I'll probably go like in a 3.2 or something like that. Okay. 3.2. It's good enough that it's good, but it's just not something I'm going to rewatch again. I understand. Yep. I, I, I get that. So, um, All right, Eric, what do you got? Uh, so for me, again, first-time viewer, this could have veered dangerously into like 90s music video vibes you know what i mean yeah i think with a lesser director like once once we got to that toilet sequence and it did become sort of dreamlike and he did fall in and he was swimming around and it, it the the crafts the craftsmanship showed there whereas i i feel like in another director's hands he would have been like well this is kind of fucking stupid like yeah. that that moment really pulled me in to like oh this is something a little bit different um like i said the the practical filmmaking like that nuts and bolts like you know uh optical illusion stuff that you can tell wasn't expensive but still works better than anything you could do with expensive that shit was all really really impressive to me um like completely put some of those sequences on my list of like uh you know 
Jurassic Park T-Rex escape, but for different reasons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like Terminator 2 motorcycle chase. Like, these are all little nuggets of filmmaking that I'm like, this is fucking perfection. Like, what he was able to do here. So, um, on the back of that alone, it gets a pretty high score for me. I, I did enjoy the story. I did enjoy um, how they portrayed addiction. Um, you know, from an outside perspective, it felt pretty realistic. I can't speak to it directly, but um, yeah, super fucked up and dark and weird. Um, you know, like Joe said, there's there's a lot of uh, like nihilism and 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 a lot of uh, bad vibes to be had here. But um, I, I would rate it higher than Joe. I think I would give this movie a four point two out of five. Cool. I like that. I like the uh, I I like the descriptions from both of you, and I completely understand uh, where you're where you're coming from. Definitely. So, um, I mean, for me, you know, I picked this movie because I love this movie. It isn't a movie that I you know I probably won't watch the whole thing. Like anytime it's on, it's not one of those anytime it's on movies because it's disturbing and it can sort of bring you down. <laughs> You know, um, but I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking that, you know, besides Scorsese, I don't know that I have more respect for a director than Danny Boyle. Um, And this got me hooked on him and I've followed him ever since. I mean, I'm definitely going to add more Danny Boyle movies onto the list because I just, I respect the dude so much and I love what he brings to to cinema. Um, So, you know, it's up there for me. It definitely is up there for me. So I'm going to lay this out at a 4.6. Um, I have to. It's it's an important movie for me. You know, uh, again, more cinematically than than the message. But, you know, because, again, like you had said, you know, I'm on the outside looking in to that world. Yeah. But it seems very realistic in its portrayal. I, and I knew this world a little too well. That's why I don't, okay. I don't like it. No, no, I get it. I look, and I can, I, I can completely respect that, Joe, because you're right. If you're yeah. on the inside, this is going to, you know, open up some wounds. So, yeah, it's, you I'm know, just, it's I understand. I completely real. understand that. I get it. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, this movie means a lot to me uh, for different reasons than maybe some of the other movies on my list do. So, four point six for me. Oh, so, right. yeah. Um. So cool. I think yeah, I think so. we're all just sitting with the feelings that we have. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. No, this this is a con- this is a contemplative movie. You can watch this and sit in silence for a long time trying to figure out where your head's at. There's no question about that. So, um, oh for you know, sure. And I watched it twice I in four that. hours. Once yeah. before the episode and once, you know, during the episode. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, I, this is a this is a four four viewing week for me. I watched this four times. Um, so it's a lot, you know, because I watched it with subtitles, without subtitles for notes. Notes was a combination. And then, uh, you know, for, uh, time drops, timestamps. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a lot of zombie ceiling babies in a short (laughs) amount of time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's it. I mean, um, our next movie is Batman, the 1989 Tim Burton Batman. Um, oh my God. Excited about that. We have a special guest, right, Eric? 
Yes, yes, my cousin Aaron will be joining us for 1989's Batman. It should be a good time, man. It's going to be another trip down memory lane. Yeah. Uh, capped off by the fact that Michael Keaton is coming back as Batman. I know, right? I know. Which is I know. so cool. Yeah. Old that Flash Batman. trailer is neat, man. That Flash trailer is very cool. Oh, know? I can't wait, man. You know? I, you know, I love the storyline that that movie's, I guess, based off of Flashpoint so much that yeah. I made my grandma cry I'm telling her about <laughs> it. So much passion I had wrapped up right. in fucking That's Flashpoint. Great. That's and she doesn't give two fucks about comic books, so that was <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah. But yes, join us yeah. next time for Batman with a special guest, Aaron Pabone. And yeah. uh, oh, we got to thank our Patreon supporters. Yes, we got some. Yeah, we got five of them. Think. No, we have six. Six. I only have five on my list. Uh-oh. Uh oh. All right. I well, pulled I'll... It up. I pulled it up just to double check. You mean that's the direct Patreon list? Yeah, this is the one so, from Patreon. Well, maybe we do. A... I wonder so if the. Fa- Hold on, Who let me fell kind off? of canceled. Who fell off? Uh-oh. Uh, um, we, we maybe should have reviewed this before. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the the one, the new one. Well, it's weird because it came up as a different name this time. Huh. It's so All weird. Right. It shows canceled. Oh, we'll still give it anyways. But now the name is Tanner. Oh, okay. Oh. Which I'm assuming was the same person that was Zach, Zach K in the last episode. Unless we picked up Tanner and lost Zach. I don't know. I don't even know anymore. Well, all right. Well, we'll. But it's uh, showing five active ones, and then one that was a uh, canceled one. Okay. Well, let's read our let's read our the ones we know. Um, we we start off with our founding member Hannah Christ, uh, my daughter. Thank you, love you, honey. Yeah. Uh, my good friend Peter Bianco. He jumped on board. He loves the podcast. Um. Mr. Brian Gower from the Tone Jerks and the Second Butt Podcast. Uh, he's a great individual, and we appreciate his support. Um, I'm going to be nice and just say R.J. Smith, our, uh, Joe and my co-host on uh, Just Surprise Me. He's nice enough to donate. Um, and we also have Mr. Will Lehu, who's also our co-host on Just Surprise Me. Um, very generous man. And we may or may not have Zach K. And we have Tanner who is a new uh, member. So we really appreciate the support from everyone. Um, you know, it does take a little bit to do this show. There, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a labor of love for the three of us. So any support that, that you can muster is very much appreciated. As little as a dollar a month, it helps us literally keep the lights on and uh, keep things going. So we'd really appreciate it. Um, Joe, where can they find... Uh, find us to to sign up for patreon that would be patreon.com backslash m-o-t-c-u there you go super easy all right um we have a facebook group that uh we mainly post memes in but we do start conversations that's cool um we also have a and the facebook group is open to anyone patreon members non-patreon members uh join the group and uh we have some fun We've got a uh, uh, Facebook Messenger Patreon group for our Patreon members, so it's it's an exclusive, gives you exclusive access to us, the stars. (laughs) Um, That's been a little more lively lately. We've been trying, um, you know, and as we get more people, it'll it'll be more lively. Um, So, yeah, we've got, you know, that and and cool perks and stuff. We'll get your name mentioned, different things. So, 
you know, if you if you think you can, it's it's a buck a month, twelve bucks a year, it'll certainly help. And then oh, if you yeah. want to give more, you know, hey, why not? So yeah. And if you if you get into that uh, Patreon only chat, you know, don't feel obligated to just talk about movies. If you need relationship right. advice, if uh, <laughs> you know uh, Christmas is coming up and you need some exactly. gift ideas, uh, yeah. you know, that's what we're here for. So exactly, uh, yeah. we will help with anything. Sage advice mm-hmm. we can offer. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we're gonna wrap this up, boys. You know it. All right, There's let's only do one it. thing left to do. Yeah. Lights. Camera? Fuck off. Do you know anyone with a birthday? Get them some custom art at artofericpabone.com. Want to impress your significant other on your anniversary? Skip the wilted flowers in the dirty CVS teddy bear. Commission a custom family portrait at artofericpabone.com. Maybe you're just like me and you like unique pieces of art, celebrating your favorite films, comics, and pop culture. Head to artofericbabone.com and shop till you drop. And don't forget, MOTCU listeners get special discounted pricing on all custom art. Don't pay some cookie-cutter bullshit from Hobby Lobby. I'm pretty sure child labor was involved in that painting of a cow you just had to have. Be a hero and support local art at artofericbabone.com. 